You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 today, we're going to talk about Jesus. Is that okay if we talk about Jesus in church? He's not only the favorite subject of the Bible, he's almost the only subject of the Bible. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to begin reading with verse 1. And verse 1 in the first verse tells us this is why we know, one, one of four profound reasons why I know that Paul did not write this letter to the Hebrews. Okay? Now if you come to Wednesday night Bible study, you get all four reasons. <laughs> They've already heard most of this. But one of, the, one of the important reasons why we know Paul did not actually write this letter is because of the first word. The first word in every verified letter that Paul wrote is Paul. In every letter he wrote, the first word is Paul. Does that say Paul? Nope. No, that says God. Somebody very much like Paul. <laughs> I mean, Paul is very much like God. He really was. You... you you just got to study the man's life to understand this is the single greatest Christian that ever lived. And he no doubt influenced this, the writing of this book, the writing of this letter, because whoever did, whoever the Lord did use to write it was influenced greatly by Paul's doctrine. There's no question about that, okay? No question about that. I don't think, I don't think there's any argument by any, theologi- any theological thought that I've ever read about that, that didn't know that this was Paul-like, but not Pauline. You get the difference, subtle distinction there. So it says, God, who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake unto our fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Did I get it right? God once spoke to our fathers, meaning the Hebrew fathers, spoke to the ancients in certain ways through the prophets, but he had different ways of doing this through the prophets. You remember Hosea had to cook his food over cow dung. That was God talking. He had, to, he had to be naked for so many days. That was God talking. <laughs> the ground opened up and swallowed them at the foot of Mount Sinai. That was God talking. Moses said it was. God did it all kinds of ways. He once spoke through circumstances, invading armies. Jeremiah said, for with stammering lips and other tongues, Isaiah said, for with stammering lips and other tongues will I speak to this people. Paul brings that into the New Testament theology, talking to us about speaking in other tongues. But in its context, in its context, it was an invading army. Wow. Prophets were used to, to, to speak to God's people all kinds of ways. But he says something profound for you and me today. Look at verse 2. This God hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Hallelujah. Spoken unto us by His Son. 
whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. In these last days, now you may not know when the last days began. I'm not sure when the last days began. But I do know one thing for sure. 2,000 years ago, they thought they were in them. I'm going to try this out over here. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, they thought they were in the last days. And the Bible records only about 4,000 years of history before them. The Bible records about 6,000, 7,000 years of, of human history. Dennis Lindsay, Dennis Lindsay admits it could be 10,000. But we, from what we know, from what is seen in the scriptures by chronology of ages of various men, and it tells when their sons were born, what the, how old they were when their sons were born, that gives you a pretty good timeline. We deduce by that that it's about 6,000 years. It's not perfect. You understand? It's just not perfect because sometimes generations were skipped, and that's, that's well known. But somewhere between six and 10,000 years age, the Bible teaches that that's how old the earth is and how old mankind is. Not three million. Cro-Magnum man did not slither up out of the primordial ooze and start walking on his tail and then grow legs because he needed them. That's just idiocy. You have to have more faith to believe that than believe in an invisible God who created everything. It's all a matter of faith and all a matter of what you'll worship. Because there's no proof for, 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 for uh, especially in the fossil record, there's no proof for for evolution any more than there's any scientific proof for the existence of God. Amen. Everything is about faith. Amen. Amen. I, now I'll admit, I've met some of these Darwinian types that I do think are related to monkeys. I will admit that. <laughs> but you're not. Amen. You're not. Genetics is proving it all the time. We're more, we're more kin to pigs than we are monkeys. <laughs> a, monkey, a monkey heart, a monkey valve won't hurt work in your heart, but I've got an uncle that's, that's, got, that's got a pig valve, and he's, he's, he's living large. <laughs> he don't like bacon as much as he used to, but uh, he... <laughs> Amen. <laughs> My wife said, I knew it. I knew men are pigs. I, I knew it. <laughs> we may know, we may not know, rather, when the last days began, but we knew, know for sure we're in them. Amen. The first great Pentecostal sermon, you know, I'll say there's no such thing as a Pentecostal Christian, it's only Christians. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and the church was formulated, it wasn't born that day. It was born when that Roman soldier opened Jesus' side and blood and water came out, just like, just like when God opened Adam's side and took him out of bride. Amen. Hallelujah. That same way, when Jesus' side was opened and the church was born, but it was organized and empowered on the day of Pentecost, 50 days later, The apostle Peter stands up and says, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel, in the last days I will pour out. Well, there you are. 
So we know at least 2,000 years ago. We don't know if it was 500 years before that when God called it the last days or 400 years or 1,000. We don't know. But we, just, we know that 2,000 years ago they believed they were in the last days. Now hang on to this. Hang on real close, okay? I'm not big to teach on the end times and eschatology, but sometimes it's unavoidable. I'm not trying to scare anybody because I don't believe in that. I don't believe that the church ought to ever be afraid of the end times. You have a covenant with Almighty God. He is not going to crush you. He's not out to hurt you. He loves you. He's going to protect you no matter what comes. I mean, there's tribulation in the world right now, and I believe that the church would get their faith out there and believe God for, for dominance and power and overcoming, overcoming spirit flowing through them that they would not suffer the way they suffer sometimes. Even if you do suffer, the Bible promises that you have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Glory to God. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. See, the reason, the reason I'm telling you the reason there's more, so much going on in the world, um, in the church, and the church it looks like it's flipping and flopping, and it's because of faith. Get away from believing God. Well, I believe the miracles of the Bible. I just don't believe they're for today. Well, that's fine with me. You don't have to have them. You don't have to have them. If you don't believe in them, you won't have them. That's how it works. If you don't want them, I'll take yours. I'll take all your supernatural occurrences. Amen. I'm going to put myself in a place with people who believe this so I can start experiencing this. Amen. Get with the community of faith that talks faith and talks about the power of God. You understand what I'm saying? You're more likely to experience it. So we know that the voice of God in the Lord Jesus Christ speaking is an end day message. Is an end time. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Now he's, he's saying something significant here and I'm going to I'm going to try to get you to bear with me just for a minute to see if I can explain this. I am from Thackerville, but I went to college, so maybe, <laughs> maybe that offset it enough. <laughs> Having these last days spoken to us by some, that means that there was a significant shift in the way God speaks now as compared to the way he spoke then. That's right. Or this would not be in the Bible. Most of you have been in church some part of your life in other places. And you've heard a lot of preaching from the Old Testament. And you've heard preachers stand up, take an Old Testament text and preach it as though it's valid for today, preaching it, it with its curses and with its ramifications as though the blood of Jesus had not been shed yet. Yes. I hear it to this day. Yeah. On a fairly regular basis, people who are supposed to know what the new covenant is haven't got a clue when they get lost over there in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. They preach the Old Testament like it's fully enforced. And they, they proudly pro, proclaim that they, they believe that. And if I can get them aside, and I have a few of them, pull them aside and say, are you circumcised? <laughs> I don't know what business that is of yours. It's a lot of my business. Because you seem to think that the Old Testament is still in force. Yeah. Yeah. And if it is, I need to know if you're circumcised. Because if you're not circumcised, you're a liar. Uh, I can't listen to you. Amen. That's good. Yeah. 
Let's just be straight about it. And do you keep the Sabbath? Let me smell that breath, see if there's any pork on your breath. You're going to go eat fried shrimp after church? Fried catfish? What would Texoma people do without fried catfish? I mean, that's like two-thirds of our diet just goes away right there. <laughs> You've heard it? Get over there in Jeremiah and just scathe the people of God. Just blast the people of God. Just melt them down to have their hair on fire before they leave church with the, with the, the power of the message of Jeremiah. And they say, hey, no doubt it was the word of God. But the question is, is that still what God is saying? You see? This says it's not. This, this in the new covenant says that's not what God is saying today. God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Now, hmm. how does Jesus talk today? If that was written 2,000 years ago, that God spoke to us through Jesus walking the earth and giving us his message, giving it to, to the 12 apostles and then giving it to the apostle Paul. How does he speak today? Well, Ephesians 4.11, if you'll put that verse up there, I'd like it, I'd appreciate it tells us that Jesus divided his ministry up into five pieces. It says they gave the gift of Christ, the gift of Christ earlier in that passage, you read the whole thing for yourself to get the context, and it culminates in verse, four, verse 11 here, and he, Jesus, gave some apostles. After he was ascended on high, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is how Jesus speaks today. I'm not Jesus, but you're hearing him speak as I stand here in front of you. Amen. This is how Jesus speaks today. But these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are people who understood New Testament theology. Understood what the Bible had to say about this last day message. The last day message is this, that you get in, that you are saved by grace through faith in the blood of Jesus only. Amen. Not various ways. God spoke in various ways in sundry times and diverse manners, various ways. God did that. There, there, were, there were other ways, you know, you could get things right with God. No, 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 not today. There's just one way. There's just one way. When I came to the Lord, Miss Ann and I, we came as hippies, country-born hippies. I played a rock and roll guitar, had long hair, and I dragged her all over the country following me playing the guitar. Played in the clubs and all that nonsense. When we got saved, all the hippies that were getting saved back in the 60s and 70s, y'all remember those times? There's six people in here that know what I'm talking about. They called it the Jesus Movement, you know. It's going along in concurrence with, with the, the charismatic renewal. It was, it was concurrently running with that. Denominational people getting spirit-filled and, and the Jesus freaks, they started calling us. I'm still one. Jesus freak. Amen. I didn't wear coats and ties back then, but I do now. And us Jesus freaks, we had it down. Our theology was pretty simple. If you, saw, if, you saw, if you went by on the highway and you saw somebody stick their hand out the window and point toward heaven, they were saying one way. And we had a bumper sticker that had this hand on it and it said one way. You remember that? Amen. Amen. 
<laughs> we might not have known much, but we knew there was just one way to God. We knew there was just one Savior. Praise God. Amen. These are the last days, and God is speaking to you through this simple message, through this power-packed message. Listen to verse 3. Who being the brightness of His glory. Now listen to what Jesus was the brightness of the glory. That is, that's the, He was the center of the glory. You ever seen what, you know, you seen a star shine? The shining of a star is, the shiny part is not out on an outer part. The shiny part is in the middle of it. It's the brightest in there. That's what it looks like. It's the brightest in there. You know, when you look at it, you say, wow. You see, you see them depicted in paintings. The brightest part uh, of the glow is always right in the middle of it. What this is saying is Jesus is the brightest of all the brightness of God. Whatever there is glorious about God, Jesus is the epitome of the glory of God, the, bright, the brightness of His glory. He is what makes God glorious to man. Hallelujah. I want to I enlarge your understanding of who Jesus is. Amen. What He means to you, what He means to the world. Not just His birth, but what it means upon His birth, life, ministry, death, burial, and resurrection. Because whatever glory there was before Christ, it pales in comparison to Him. And it goes on in verse 3 and says, And the express image of His person. That means that if you have seen Jesus... You have seen the Father. Jesus even said these very words. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The book of Hebrews tells us that He is the express image of His person. That is the express image of the person of God. That means that Jesus looked in the earth as a man looked just like God. Now I don't know how to explain that except to say what the Bible says. I, knew, I do know that ideas about the Trinity, ideas about the Godhead are ethereal. And you have your own concept of what that might be like. But what you need to understand is, all you really need to know about Almighty God is Jesus. That's all you really need to know. Because when you, need, when you know Jesus, you know God. And without Jesus, there is no knowing God. Everybody hear me? Without knowing Jesus, there is no knowing God. You know about God, maybe, you know, but until you know Jesus, who He is, what His life meant, I don't just worship God. The Jews worship God, but I worship Jesus. Now, listen to me. And when you worship Jesus, that means that you have now taken God Almighty as your Father, Jesus Christ Himself, your elder brother. This is how the Bible teaches us. You're now part of a family. Jesus helps you be, identify God as your Father instead of just your God, Judge, Creator, all that that all humanity sees Him as. I see God as my Father, not because I dreamed that up myself, but because there was a man who came as the Son of God and made me know I could be like Him. Yes. Become what He is. Are you hearing me? Jesus makes God familial to us. Not familiar, familial makes Him our Father. This means if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And upholding all things by the word of His power. Now this part is really, really potent too. 
upholding all things by the word of his power. Upholding all things by the word of his power. I studied this as deeply as I knew how, and I found out something important. That it does not actually say, the Greek text does not actually say, upholding all things, because I want to know what it means. Upholding all things by the word of his power. The word of really is not in the text. What it says is, upholding all things by the word, his power. That's all the Greek words there are. By the word, his power. Oh, come on, come on. If you say it long enough, you'll always seem precocious. No, you'll, you'll, if you say it long enough, you'll get the meaning of it. By the word, his power. Oh, so the Word is His power. There you go. You get this? The text actually says, by the Word, His power. And the word power there is the word dunamis, meaning dynamite power, meaning right now power to act. The right now power to act. So, I got to thinking about this. So he upholds all things. Well, what all things is he talking about? He's not talking about creation here. He's talking about he upholds all things that he did. As he came and showed himself as God in the earth, he upholds all that by the word of his power. That is, that the, by, the, by the word, his power. The fact that he had a message to preach meant that the power of God would be released. If you will hear the words that are being spoken to you today, the power of God will be released for you. I know you have challenges. Everybody in the room has challenges. Children have challenges with their schoolwork and, and with being obedient to their parents and, and relating to their, their, their siblings. Uh, 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 Middle-aged people, uh, young adults have, have problems keeping their family together, getting their bills paid and getting a better job and, uh, and always thinking about climbing the ladder. The middle-aged people thinking, stop thinking so much about their children, start thinking more about their grandchildren. And you have challenges all the time. And let me say to you, that's a real challenge. You, when, you, when, you, when you get uh, you know, all the money you need in life and you don't have to scrimp and scrape all the time, but now you've got other concerns. Now you start thinking about those grandbabies, amen, which are far more precious to you than those children you had. <laughs> like that one woman they asked who had had a bunch of kids, you know, and they said, Mildred, if you had it to do over again, would you have children? She said, yes, but not the same ones. Anyway. <laughs> just, just try to do better the second round. <laughs> We have all kinds of concerns. We all have all, all kinds of concerns and challenges. Health concerns. And it seems like the older you get, the more you have health concerns. But I'm telling you something. There is power in you today to overcome every concern you have. And we don't pray for faith. Let me, let me say this clearly to you. Praying for faith is wasted prayer. Gordon Lindsay wrote this in one of his books years and years ago. Praying for faith is wasted prayer. The first time I read it, I thought, this guy's a heretic. He's just a heretic. I, you're supposed to pray for faith. They never prayed for faith in the Bible. The one time that they did, they said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. I guess you could call that praying for faith, right? Yeah. Lord, increase our faith. He didn't increase their faith. 
He looked at him and said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, Start teaching them. How, is faith, how does faith come? By praying about it or by hearing the word taught? Faith doesn't come by praying for it. Faith comes by hearing the word taught. That's why you keep coming to church. That's why it's a good important, important reason to, to be in the house of God. Amen. To hear Jesus' doctrine. Hear me. To hear Jesus' doctrine taught to you. Under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Then wonderful things start happening in your life. It doesn't mean the devil's not going to attack you. It might mean the devil's going to attack, attack you more. Yeah, but what it means now is you'll be fortified and strengthened to fight back. Amen. To do something about that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Don't be surprised that you get attacked. Especially when you hear a word and you start working on that word, getting it into your life. Don't be surprised that you get attacked. Jesus said the devil comes immediately to try to steal that word. To try to challenge you on it. I've been challenged so many times I don't even want to talk about all the times I've been hit physically. I don't even want to talk about it. I could. I could tell you how, how bad it's been, how much I've hurt, how much pain I've been in, and all that. I could talk to you about all the ailments I've, that the devil's coming back. Oh, woe is me. But I read, I read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 11, and 12, and I read that Paul called all that foolish talk. Yeah. Foolish talk. Yeah. Foolish talk. He, he went through the whole list, but all the time he's calling it foolishness. He, 11 times he calls it foolishness. Yeah. Foolishness to talk like that. And the reason why most people, most preachers are going to talk like that is try to get you to give them money. Yes. Oh, I've suffered so for the gospel. My address is 214 P.O. Box. Send me money. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you're part of a church where they don't get up and beg for money all the time? I'm glad to be a part of that church. I've always been part of that church. I don't, I don't like that. I don't think it's necessary. I think if we teach the Word of God to people and their hearts are opened up and they get, they're getting what they need, they're going to give. Amen. Praise God. Because they have it to give. They don't feel the need to go blow it at the, at the bar on Saturday night so they show up at church with money. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Text actually says, by the word, his power. The word, his power. Can we, can we validate that the word is the power of God? Oh, yes. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the, mm, same word, dunamis. It's a right now explosive power to act. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Didn't say it was like it. Didn't say it might become it. Or you might get power from it. It said it all by itself is the power of God unto salvation. I don't know if you can feel the power of God, but it's going into you right now. The power of God for you to overcome because you're not going to get to stay here. You could, you could bring a, a sleeping bag, I guess. We'd let you sleep in the building if you wanted to. But, to, but staying here is not, not, not going to help you. I have to equip you for what you're going to face tomorrow. The Word of God has to get into your heart so, so to, to help you overcome out there in that life when those concerns arise. When that devil, you meet that devil face to face. How many of you have ever, ever uh, met up with a, a demonic uh, uh, confrontation, huh? And you knew it was the devil. You knew it was the, you knew it was the devil. Kept you from succeeding. Kept you from going where you wanted to go. Don't be surprised. The Apostle Paul said it on two occasions. He said, I would have come to you once and again, but the devil hindered me both times. Yeah. What? The Apostle Paul was hindered by the devil? 
He didn't say stop, did he? No. He didn't say defeated, did he? No. He was hindered. Just because your favorite wrestler has his face on the mat and the, and the, and the bad guy's got his arm up behind his arm, that doesn't mean he's defeated. That just means he's down for the moment. That's right? right? He's just down for the moment. That doesn't mean he's defeated. He's just been thwarted. He's just been hindered, okay? So that's what the apostle said about the devil was able to hinder him. Now listen to me. That encourages me and discourages me at the same time. Because I think, man. The discouragement is this. <clears throat> if Paul couldn't keep the devil from hindering him, <laughs> Holler's in trouble. <laughs> Paul couldn't keep him from hindering him. That's kind of a discouraging thought. But on the other hand, you think, if the devil hindered the apostle Paul, why should I be surprised that I'm hindered? I know the apostle Paul was in the perfect will of God. That tells you that just because you're being hindered doesn't mean you're, in the, you're not in the will of God. Stop letting the devil use, he, he will attack you with some evil circumstance and then make you think somehow you're out of the will of God. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor John, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been tithing and giving and doing all that, you know, but, but I just get attacked and attacked. I just don't, it's not working for me. I say, whoa, 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 slow down. Who told you it wasn't working for you? Well, I just look at the circumstances and you listen to a voice that tells you that it's not working, don't you? Well, I must admit, yeah, yeah, I started wandering. No, you weren't wandering. You had a devil talking to you, trying to get you to quit. The devil talking to you. He'll attack you with something and then make you think that God's telling you you're out of his will. He's a master deceiver. I mean, more than, more than Washington, D.C., he should be a politician. Except I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's not quite good enough at deception to be a politician. <laughs> oh, I like that joke. Maybe y'all didn't get it, but I liked it. But I want to get to this next part of this verse. When he had by himself, Jesus, purged our sins. When he had by, how did he purge our sins? With a great crowd helping him. With you assisting. Huh? How did he purge our sins? The moment we believed? No. When did he purge your sins? When he was all alone. When he was all alone on Mount Calvary. When he was all alone in the bowels of hell. When he was all alone. Purging our sins. This was between him and his God. He was making a covenant between God and man. But really this God man was making a covenant with his father. That we didn't know anything about. We didn't know this was going on. We had no part in this. He had to do it all alone. Which means there's not anything you can do today. If you couldn't do anything then to make it happen. There's not anything you can do today to make it happen. Either you were purged then or you're not purged now. You got to hear this. This is what the Bible means, saved by grace. God 
did it all. Amen. He purged our sins. He didn't purge them the day you got saved. You just reconciled yourself that day to what had already been accomplished 2,000 years ago. Amen. The Father got over his anger at mankind that day. Between the Father God and that man Jesus, that man Adam, he's called the last Adam. He views Jesus as Adam, which means now, as far as the Father God is concerned, Adam had no sin. That means what went wrong in the garden, the Father has forgotten about. If he's the last Adam, that means he's now viewing Jesus as all of mankind. And if nothing went wrong in the garden, there can't be anything wrong now. That's where it all started. You, are you getting this? You're getting the picture of this. This is powerful. He purged our sins. Gives you a whole different view of God now, doesn't it? Instead of this angry God with a lightning bolt just waiting for you to mess up, hand me another one. I'd holler. He went overboard this time. I don't want on each hand to get him. It's a picture that religion has painted of Almighty God. Mad, angry, just waiting for you to mess up. He's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty and nice. I dare sing, I dare sing with Jason Meadows in the, in the building. That guy's got... Making a list. You see, this is this. It's all about good and bad. All about how well you perform. Wait a minute. What about this? He purged our sins. Well, how do you get in on that? The only, the only connection you have is to believe this. Just believe this. He'll purify your heart by faith. The Apostle Peter, in establishing New Testament doctrine, does not run all the way back to Pentecost. At the great council of the church, the first council of the church, the only council of the church as far as we know, all the others are, were made by false religion. The only council that the church ever had in, in the first century was that they came together to decide how a person is made righteous and how do they keep that righteousness. And the apostle Peter stood up and to establish the church's doctrine on how righteousness is obtained and how you keep that righteousness, he does not go to Acts chapter 2. He goes to Acts chapter 10. Could we turn there? Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 15, rather. Acts chapter 15, I'm sorry. And I want to read verses 7, 8, and 9. Acts 15, 7. And when there had been much disputing. Now, when you get a bunch of Jews disputing about the Bible, much is an understatement. Okay? <laughs> there was some screaming and hollering going on, I'm promising you right now. Like my wife's family reunion. I mean, they were, they were really getting after it. <laughs> and when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and repent. Did that say Repent. That's what he said in Acts chapter 2. That's what he said in Acts chapter 2. Repent and believe and even in his message in Acts chapter 2. Ah, oh, 
That's why he didn't go to Acts chapter 2, you understand? He went to Acts chapter 10 to, to establish it because now he knows that it really does not come by repenting, it comes by believing. And when you believe, repentance is a gift that is given to you by believing on Jesus. Repentance makes you sin-focused. And that's what's the problem, the problem with all of religion. They're sin-focused instead of righteousness-focused. Repentance makes you sin-focused and that you getting rid of your own sin somehow by being sorry enough for it makes you right with God. Hey, I didn't need Jesus to die to have that. I could do that in the, under Moses. That was in place under Moses. This is a brand new thought. Hear the word of the gospel and do what? Believe it. Believe it from the heart. Now we're going to prove that, he's, that this is what he's talking about. Look at the next thing. Look at the next thing. We're going to get there. And God, which knows the hearts, bear, this is still the Apostle Peter's great sermon, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. He bear them witness. Look at verse 9. What, how did he witness? And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. When were we purged? When Jesus died. How did he purify their individual hearts? By what they believed. How does the Apostle Peter know this? How does he know that's what happened? Well, he was there. He was there. He said, hey, God made choice among us. I was the guy that went there. I know what happened. I know it didn't happen the same way it happened with us Jews. Gentiles get it a different way. I know that goes down crosswise, but I don't care what you think. I know what the Bible teaches. You do too now. Acts chapter 10. Let's turn there real quick. Acts chapter 10. I warned you that I'd go over and over these things. I know, I know some of you have heard me teach these things five times already. But you'll probably hear it another time or two. Maybe by the end of the year. Acts chapter 10. Let's turn to Acts chapter 10 and verse 43. The apostle Peter is preaching to, to Cornelius' house and household. All a bunch of Gentiles. How did he know? Because all the things I described a while ago about Texoma land people. They had catfish on the table. They probably were eating pig. and Not one of them circumcised. Not one of them. The Apostle Peter says to them, To him, that is to Jesus, give all the prophets witness that through faith in his name, whose name? Jesus' name, whosoever repents of his sins, I'm sorry, it's just not there, believes in him, shall receive. Receive. He's going to get over his sins because God's going to do something about it. Indeed, because God had already done something about it. Amen. We'd already been purged as far as God was concerned. All they had to do was hear it and believe it. Hear it and believe it. Whosoever believes in him shall receive the remission of sins. Wow. 
How did that happen? How did that happen? Peter had not told them one thing about how sinful they were. Not one thing about their sinful condition. He just told them that God had done something about all the sins of humanity. And that provision had been made. Wow. I think this is a good year-end message. Good year-end message because it starts, because of the way this passage closes out, or starts, rather, to close out its, uh, its, our year. It says, in these last days. These last days. I want you to end the year 2014 remembering and thinking about how wonderful it is to be in the new covenant, to live in the last days. The last days indicates something. Since it's just been 6,000 years of human history, and 2,000 years ago they believed they, they were in the last days, indeed God said they were in the last days. How many days can there be left? If there's another 1,000, then that couldn't be called the last days. That was the middle of days. Right? There's even another 1,000. You can't call it the last days because it's, it's kind of in the middle. Anybody hear what we're saying? I'm just saying, I think time is short. Time is short, and the reason why more people have not been evangelized around the world is because the church makes it harder to get into the church than to do to get into heaven. <laughs> we don't want to make it harder to get into this church than God made it to get into heaven. It says, and they sat down, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I've got a couple of things to tell you, and I'm going to let you go. When I was a boy, I always wanted to be tough. How many boys in the, in the room wanted to be tough? Every boy wants to be tough. Especially if you had a tough big brother like I did. I, I could just never measure up to my big brother. He was, something, he was something fierce when he was young. And uh, I, I, loved, I loved stories of manly, manly things. I always have. I mean, I, I still carry knives that look like guns. <laughs> it's one of my... I like guns and knives. I mean, never got over it. My wife dragged me, made me live in the city for years and years and years. I never got over it. I still wear boots and I like that. I like that stuff. I mean, I, if, you like, if you like flowers, I, that's okay with me. I, I'm all right with that. You're... Guns and roses. But when I was a boy, my favorite show on television on the weekend was a show called Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Did y'all watch that show? I love that show. Love that show. Marlon Perkins, scrawny little dried up scientist, out there with the beasts of the world, the baddest beasts in the world. But it had this big dude with wide shoulders named Jim. Y'all remember Jim? Perkins was never down on the dirt. Perkins was always in the Jeep with a camera. And he'd say, this is a Cape Buffalo, the most dangerous animal on the continent of Africa. 
watch as Jim here dives on the... <laughs> Poor old Jim, you know, just going across the bush, hanging on to the thing's tail. Watch as the Cape Buffalo tears Jim to limb from limb, you know. <laughs> Hilarious stuff. I'll never forget one show I saw, though. They were out there, and they'd found these, these African... <coughs> they called them Bushmen. Now, here's some men... Good Lord, these, some, these are some men. Nothing but bone and muscle with skin stretchedly tight, uh, tightly stretched over them. And these are biological machines of hunting. And all they had was spears. I think they were in the southwestern, well, you used to call it southwest Africa, the southwest Af African desert, now it's called Namibia down in that area. These guys were running across the bush, very little clothing on. And they stopped, and they saw a bunch of hyenas had brought down a deer. They laid down their spears. Now they're unarmed. And they start gathering up twigs and brush and things and making a little bouquet, sort of, sort of and pounding it on the ground and walking toward these hyenas. And as they walked toward these hyenas, they pounded the ground and made, it, made dust. And they went, yay, 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 yay. And the noise like, yay, yay, real irritating. Now hyenas looked at them and said, are these guys crazy? <laughs> and they just kept coming toward them. Of course, the hyenas could have torn them to shreds, but they didn't. They didn't know. They, were, they bluffed them right out of their food. And the, the hyenas took off in a little bit. The guys went over there and got the, got the food and took it home. You know, stoked the fire, Mildred. We, we have food. Day or two later, they're out there again with them. We found these bushmen running across the desert. Stop. A cheetah. And they clocked this cheetah running something like 70 miles an hour. And she brings down a deer. These huntsmen just run over there to her. Lay down their spears, pick up the brush, start, yeah, 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 yeah. Now the cheetah, she's a little, she's a little more fierce. She takes a lunge at them. And, and Perkins says, if the, if the bushman flinches, that cheetah will pounce on them and rip them to shreds. But they won't flinch. They just keep coming at her. Yeah, 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 yeah. And finally, she gives up and runs away. And they take her deer, take it home, put it on a pole between them, and go around him. <coughs> Day three. I don't know if it's three days in a row, but it's the third event. You gotta quit. <laughs> I got to quit. They're, they're out there. The bushmen are running along there. They stop mid-stride. Look off over there about a half mile away, maybe a quarter mile away. They see a pride of lions, and they're eating something. They look at each other, look at the lions. They turn around about a half mile this direction. <laughs> And they run another mile that direction. And then another half mile back, get on course, leaving the lines behind them. Marlon Perkins says, the moral of this story is, lions don't bluff. <laughs> he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And he's called when he rises from the dead, the lion of the tribe 
of Judah. Glory be to God. He's not going to resign. He's not going to give it up. He's not going to abdicate. He's not going to ever be defeated again. Amen. Because he wasn't defeated on the day. It looked like he was defeated. He is King of kings and Lord of lords forever. The mighty line of the tribe. He never called a hyena. He never called a cheetah. He never called a, any other kind of animal. He's the lion. Glory to God. The lion of the tribe of Judah. And he doesn't bluff. What, what that means is he's never going to change anything about his tactics. He is who He is. He is what He is. And that means that if He purged our sins, He will never change His mind. When it says He's seated at the right hand of the Father, the right hand of the majesty on high, that means His work is accomplished. Yeah. I can tell when a person's in faith by listening to the way they pray. Oh, Jesus, would you, would you help me? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't mean to hurt your feelings if you pray like that. But you seriously need to work on your faith. You need to understand that Jesus has already helped you and is set down at the right hand of the majesty to reign over what he did. And his word now upholds, as we read, his power word now upholds all that he did so that you can in faith use his name like a hammer against your circumstances. Glory to God. It's like a hammer against your circumstances. Amen. His name is all powerful now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he didn't do this for his own good. He didn't do this for his own health. He didn't do this because he just needed something to do. He did this for the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him, as it says in Hebrews chapter 12, the joy that was set before him was you so that you could have right to rule in the spirit realm where everything that's essential to life really happens. Everything that's essential to life happens out there in that invisible realm before it happens here. Listen, we did not create God. God created us. That means that the spirit is infinitely more powerful than the natural. The spirit realm is infinitely more powerful than the natural realm. And I can't convince you of that thoroughly today because your stomach is rumbling and you want to go eat. <laughs> We're still in the natural. The natural talks to us all the time. But there will come a day, not many days from now, when you'll be thoroughly convinced and you'll wonder why you worried so about this measly little life. You'll wonder why you dragged through life with no joy when knowing that that supernatural world out there was available to you all along. It's always been available to us through the powerful name of Jesus. You look back and you think, how many opportunities did I miss to reign in life? When he had already purged my sins. Most of the time, the devil, in conjunction with modern religion, wants to keep you so self-inspecting that you never really get anything done for the kingdom. Right. Wants to just try to make sure you stay saved. Wow. I'm way past all that, y'all. I'm saved. Why don't you just get past all that and know that you're saved by, by what he did yeah. instead of how you perform exactly. and use your energies and your faith to do something else, to help somebody else. Yeah. So just trying to stay saved all the time. Oh, I try. I try, preacher. I try real hard. You know, but once in a while a cuss word seeps out. Well, who the heck cares? I, you know, I drank a beer now and then when I watch the Cowboys. If you're watching the Cowboys, you need more than one. 
I mean, I love the cowboys. Don't, don't misunderstand, but man, they get on my nerves. Do they you? Get on my nerves. They are doing better. They're doing better. I'm happy right now. Huh? They've just been hindered. That's right. That's right. They're not defeated. They've just been hindered. When God created the world, He created it like Him. And subatomic particles, we find God. We find a proton, a neutron negatively charged so that they stick together. And an electron inside the nucleus, the smallest building blocks of humanity, they tell us, and of, of, of all creation, an atom, A-T-O-M. And inside this atom is this electron, and it's a wild force. But it stays inside the atom unless they can find a way to split that thing. And what they have to split is the proton from the neutron. If they can split that proton from the neutron, that, that electron will escape. And when that electron escapes, whoo, he sets off a, a chain reaction to the next cell, I mean the next atom, and the next, and the next, and the next, and pretty soon you have this huge explosion of power. Depends on what atoms they are. If they're, if they're hydrogen atoms, well, it can be a massive explosion, which blew away an entire island out in, in the, Bravo, uh, the, the Bravo experiment in the South Pacific. Release of power when the neutron and the proton are split. Go back with me about 2,000 years when God Almighty was in heaven. And the Father sent the Son. Those that were intrinsically connected sent the Son. And on a day, on a place called Golgotha, on a cross, that Son said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And they were split apart. What happened on that day? There was a release of power so strong that the forgiveness and grace of God began to flow, became so much of a chain reaction that even the devil couldn't get a hold of it. Men began to believe one after another, one after another. This one, that one, this one, that one for 40 days, 50 days if you will. Lots of people were believing already that Jesus had risen from the dead. But 40 days after he rose from the dead, he went back to heaven. He went back. Now that first thing in splitting, those at, splitting the atom, <clears throat> dividing that proton from the neutron, and releasing that electron, that's called fission. Fission. For those of you who love going fishing, I'm not saying fishing. I'm saying fission. F-I-S-S-I-O-N. Fission. <laughs> means the, means the, the power is diffuse. 
vision just broke out everywhere. But then when he rose from the dead, the Bible says on the 40th day, he went back to heaven. He was in a 40-day seminar with his, with his disciples and then rose and went back to heaven. And the Bible right here says that he's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. He reconnected with his father. He fused, if you will, with his father. Now, scientists tell us something else about that, Adam. If you can split it, you release a lot of power. But if you can fuse them, they call them smashing atoms. You've heard this? You've heard this language? It's called fusion. Fusion. How many of you saw Back to the Future? You remember that thing he had on the back of that car? And he put banana peels in there at the end of the movie? You remember what that thing was called? A flux capacitor. When Jesus went back to heaven, glory to God. He went back to heaven and fused with his father. Power beyond imagination broke out. And we see its evidence on the day of Pentecost when everybody gathered at the prayer meeting were empowered by the Holy Ghost that day. And the word of God began to go around the world and has gone around the globe to every nation many times since then. The gospel was released with fusion power. And God has equipped every believer with their own personal flux capacitor on the inside. Well, you can turn whatever garbage that comes to you into the power of God. Amen. Whatever trouble there is in your life, you need to look at that just as an opportunity for the power of God to manifest. Amen. As you use your faith. Let's pray together. Now, Father, I thank you for these, the people of God, who love the Word. I thank you for them. I thank you for this opportunity to be here today and to be challenged with the Word of God. But I thank you, Lord, that this Word goes out today to empower your people, to empower your people to believe, to use their faith, to expect miraculous things, to say, I'm not a victim any longer. I'm a victor. I believe in the God that raised my Savior from the dead. Hallelujah. I believe in the God who created all things. But I believe in that God who has now become my Father. And in this family I have certain rights. Help your people as they go through their life this week to experience dynamic, dunamis word power. That they'll not live with what comes, but they'll begin to create their own path, create their own life by using this word of faith in the name of Jesus. We thank you for Jesus today, Father God. Thank you for your goodness and kindness to love us this much, to give your only son. We are so thankful to you for that. Jesus, we worship you and give you all the honor and glory for what you did for us. I will never get over you. I will never get over you, Lord. We worship you today and thank you for God's people in this place who have now become the family of God, now become the children of God because of that original son, the firstborn from the dead. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. If you're here in this place today and you've heard this message, and you're wondering really what this is all about. 
The reason why we do this like this is because we want you to hear the message, but we want you to know that you can make a change for your own life. Nobody has to go to hell. Not when Jesus has done all that he's done. Our emphasis is not about people going to hell. Our emphasis is about people escaping. And about the free gift of God's righteousness that he gave to you. But if you will in your heart today say, I believe this. I believe this message. I'm going to receive this message and believe it's going to make a power impact on my life. It's going to make a power impact where I'll never be the same. What is the message? Well, Christ died for your sins. He purged your sins. There's nothing for you to do but to receive it. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This is the Gospel. The Lord wants you to hear that Gospel. That's why you came today, especially if you're yet to receive it. But you receive it by making a declaration, by believing it, if you're here in this place today and you say, listen, I need, I need this. I, I need this in my life. I, I, I'm not sure that I'm, that I'm saved, but I want to be. I heard this message of grace and I want in on it. Who here will say, that's me? I'm not sure I'm saved today, but I want to be. I want to be part of the family of God. Just, just lift your hand and I want to pray for you. Let me know you're here. Because this is your best opportunity you've ever had. Any... We make an assumption if you, if you pray a prayer of faith concerning Jesus, the church makes an assumption that you've been made new. We have a right to make this assumption because of what's revealed to us by our God in Scripture. That you become a brand new creature and everything changes. Old things pass away and behold, all things become new. It's a new life that you can start today. Amen. Amen. Now, for the rest of you, if you have any needs today, and I know there are needs in this place. And you've prayed, you've stood, you've done all you know to do, but you're not seeing results yet. I want you to come forward. You say, I need, I need something. I need something more. Miss Ann and I are going to pray for you today. At the end of this year, we're going to lay our hands on you and pray for you and believe for you to get the manifestation you need. You're already standing in faith believing. We're going to set ourselves in agreement with you for that manifestation to happen, for that, for that miracle to show itself. I believe it's already out there in the Spirit. It just takes, it takes a manifestation for you to know it. You can know it in your spirit, but to know it with your eyes. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't want you to have to wait forever to get it. Well, I'm standing in faith. Praise God. How long have you been standing in faith? Well, 10 years. Let's, let's, let's believe God for something better than that. Amen. I believe you can get your miracle right now. Amen. I've seen Miss Ann lay her hands on so many people. Now, this is the gifts of the Spirit all, all, all working through this woman. Not always the gift of faith per se, but just the gift of healing that, that the Lord uses her in. It's, it's amazing. If you've got something like that, you come. We, we have a little time before noon. Come, let's have a time of prayer. Come right now. You want to stand to your feet? Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen, amen. Some of you have been waiting on a manifestation. Just come. We're going to believe God for manifestations to show Manifestations of healing, miracles, power.